1: The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Athletic's Everton Football Club podcast, Glad Tidings. It's a new year and more Everton topics to discuss as ever. Since we last spoke, there's been a lot going on. Fantastic Premier League results by and large over the sticky Christmas period Not so much in the League Cup and hopefully some coffee and green tea based gifts under the tree for Paddy. My colleague and erstwhile coffee friend who I haven't seen for about uh, four years and feels like a (laughs) retreat. We uh, we podcast from across the dock to one another, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about as close as we get these days. Paddy, hello, welcome back in, and happy new year, happy inverted commas new year. How are you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, happy, happy new year to you and to all our listeners. It it it's been. It feels like it's been a while, and and it, that's because even though I think we've only been away for a couple of weeks, so much has actually happened. So you look at four Premier League games. Couple of wins for Everton, some disappointing results in there as well, and then the the, the Carabao Cup match as well. Games being called off, transfer rumours, all that kind of stuff. So, kind of ready and raring to get back to, to the pod, really. Hopefully, I don't come back quite as lethargic as as James was on <laughs> on, uh, on New Year's <laughs> Day against uh, West Ham. He can probably be for, forgiven for that, Carney, he? because he's, he's he's been out of action for for quite a while. But I'm I'm good. It's it's, it's funny that you mention kind of effectively podcasting across the dock because that's what it is. Uh, not not too far away from each other at all, but th- this is the kind of the, the way of the world at the moment, isn't it? So so yeah, let's yeah. let's make do with that and, and see how we go. This
1: is the way, indeed. Well, um, before we get cracking, just to let you all know that during January, you can subscribe to Athletic for a special discounted price if you don't already. Um, you can get all our great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. Because let's face it, nobody likes an advert blaring into the middle of our scintillating debate. And that's all for less than £4 a month, which is decent. That's a a decent offer, I think. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash EvertonPod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com forward slash EvertonPod. Let's get on with the discussion of the Blues, uh, the FA Cup this weekend and it's always an important competition for Everton. I'm sure you'll agree with that, Paddy. I mean, you and I chatted about the League Cup a few months ago. I sound like a broken record when it comes to the League Cup. I think I think you certainly know, because I've bored you yeah. with it, my frustration and anger at Everton's inability to progress in that same 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 last year, uh, this season. So the FA Cup represents another chance, our only chance to serve where this season. What do you feel will be Ancelotti's approach. What sort of team do you think he'll put out and how seriously should he be taking it?
2: He's on record as saying that cup competitions are important and he wants to bring silverware back to Everton. So it's not just about getting back into Europe for him. I think he wants to see something tangible, something palpable, a bit of silverware for the supporters to kind of cherish. And if he were to do that, then I think he, he'd be heralded as a god on, on on the blue half of Merseyside, wouldn't he? So that that's important. He obviously took the the Carabao Cup pretty seriously. I don't think his team selection in the quarter final was the reason for Everton's demise. Just that it felt like a step too far with the with the players that were and weren't at Everton's disposal on the night. So my question would be, does the defeat to Manchester United in that quarter final, does that change something with regards to the FA Cup? Does it give it extra importance for Ancelotti? Would he have maybe say Everton had a semi or a final to prepare for in the Carabao, would all eggs be in that basket and the league? And you'd almost kind of sacrifice the FA Cup a little bit and you, you play a slightly weakened squad. The the difficulty he's got is that I think we saw against West Ham and we saw against Sheffield United that certain players who have had to go time and time again during mm. the festive period are basically running on empty. Calvert Lewin's not scored in six games. I think that's in part to do with the the different setup, the more pragmatic setup that we've had to adopt without Hammers and without Luca Dean and, and players of real quality. But nevertheless, he's not scored in six games. Looked a bit tired. Was t- was taken off bizarrely with Everton one 0 down against yeah. West Ham, and I think as I said to somebody else, taking him off. And bringing Jenk on almost felt like Everton were waving the white flag at that point. If something was to happen to Calvert Lewin, I think Everton would be in a difficult situation. They probably have to shift Richarlison inside. Richarlison's not been in the best of form himself, and they'd have to do something else on the left wing. Mm. And that's the concern for me. Ordinarily, you'd look at this game and you'd think to yourself, we'll rotate, we'll, 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 we'll rotate, we'll have a, too much anyway for a side like Rotherham. But here, Then you're relying on a Tosin or maybe an Ellis Sims off the bench. If you take out Richarlison, maybe it's Anthony Gordon. Maybe that's a little bit better. But there aren't many positions you look at and you think Everton can rotate in and still have real quality options. So I'm a bit torn over this one. I want to see Everton go through and I want to see Everton dominate and play well. I want to see people like Gordon and Nkunku and maybe even Ellis Sims off the bench get their opportunity and grasp it and... Increase the options at Ancelotti's disposal in the league, but they they do need to get through this match, and I don't think the rotation options elsewhere are, are that great. What what are your thoughts on on this game? Is it is it one to go all in on, or or would you rotate say a Calvert Lewin who he looks tired, and Michael Keane who's been carrying a bit of a hamstring injury?
1: It's difficult, isn't it i'd um, I'd possibly treat it like the earlier rounds of the League Cup. Uh, in the sense that mm-hmm. I might not necessarily start with Richarlison or Calvert Lewin, but I would certainly have them on the bench, just be just to provide you with the op- opportunity to bring them on yeah. if needs be. It's it's a must win. I, I feel like, as you say, it's stated aim to to win silverware, and um, you know this could be the type of. Normally, I'd say the FA Cup's like at least twice as hard to win as the League Cup, if not more. But this season, you just who knows? I, I know there've been. It looks like there's going to be the usual suspects getting towards the uh, the business end of the league cup by comparison, but but Tottenham are in the final and they've only not, they only had to play one Premier League team, so there's still the potential for a bit of luck on the way. More often than not, it do, we don't get that fortune, but you know, <laughs> you never know in the, in the FA Cup, and we might get the benefit of of the draw, and all of a sudden, yeah, there's something meaningful for the rest of the season, yeah. and, and maybe other teams being stretched on on various fronts might mean. It's slightly less difficult to get to crack the sort of uh, semis or quarters and semis stage, which which we, when I say recently, back to twenty sort of sixteen, we've fallen short of under Martinez. We just have to. We absolutely have to. I, I would put that as a priority ahead of the league, to be honest.
2: Well, that's that. That's interesting. I think the analogy with the uh, Carabao Cup's an interesting one because obviously in those those earlier rounds, it was kind of a mix and match approach from Ancelotti. Mm. It wasn't full scale rotation but Gordon got minutes and did really well against Salford and Fleetwood. Um, moyes Keane obviously played in some of those games and and scored a couple of goals. We saw Niels and Kunku burst onto the scene. Why did we not even see him off the bench? As an option against West Ham, I think he would have been ideal when you're looking to break down a kind of a pretty resolute David Moyes team. So we've said before, haven't we, and I think we said it in relation to the League Cup, that Ancelotti would almost be forgiven for 10th, 12th in the table if if he were to bring Silverware to Everton. I think that's how important this feels. You could almost finish anywhere outside the relegation places in the league. And if you were to win a, a cup competition, there would be a feel-good factor still uh, for Everton supporters. Uh, it's, it's too long. It's way too long. So, so let's hope whichever side they put out, they, they get through. Because I, I agree with you, it is a must-win whoever plays.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: Now, we've gone past, actually, in, in in our hiatus, we've gone past Ancelotti's year anniversary at Everton. We've chatted on social media with with many of you, and I know a few people have said that they'd like us to to just reflect on on a year under Carlo. So we will do. It's something that invariably, despite last year' time being very, God, I don't know, it felt like a Christopher Nolan m- movie concept of time <laughs> last year, it either dragged or it absolutely hurtled forward. It didn't sometimes feel very linear, but nevertheless, um, it does seem seem to have gone quickly. Always the way with football, isn't it? Um, from the sort of surreal Carlo Ancelotti is the Everton manager to, oh yeah, you know, Carlo and what he'll do here or disagreeing with decisions or even grumbling about certain results, you know, Southampton and uh, certainly West Ham, Goodison in, in the last time out when you think, hmm, could have done better there but generally, what an amazing year it's been in many ways with him as manager uh, on the pitch, I should I should emphasise. What what have you made of it? What's uh, your thoughts as you reflect on, on the last 12 months? A year of progress, you'd have to say. Definitely progress, you, yeah.
2: He picked up the club when it was in, I think, quite a difficult position, around 15th in the league table. Mm. And it was even worse before that. Duncan Ferguson had pulled off a couple of wins when, when Everton yeah. really, really needed it after yeah. Marco Silva's sacking. So a year of progress. He celebrated the one-year anniversary anniversary by being right at the top of the Premier League table, competing up there with everybody. It's only the West Ham result and subsequent matches where sides have caught up. And in some cases, they've still played more games than Everton. So Everton are still right in the hunt. That says something for the marked progress we've seen. There's overall, and this from very, very early on, what was really palpable, I think for both of us, I'd say, is the extent to which the atmosphere improved around Finch Farm. It, it was almost like a cloud had lifted and you could see, you, you'd ask. I remember asking Theo Walcott in the mix zone after the the Watford win at Vicarage Road back in, in what must have been February last year. And I asked him about Carlo Ancelotti and his eyes lit up. And these guys, and Walcott's obviously not playing for Everton right now, but a lot of these guys feel privileged to work with the top manager. And it's the same for the staff of Finch Farm. It's the same for, for people working behind the scenes. So I think it's given everybody a lift. It's not being perfect, but I don't think you would expect it to be perfect given the scale of the task yeah. that awaited when when Ancelotti came in, it was a side that was in a bit of disarray, uh, for want of a better phrase. He's had effectively he didn't do much business in January. I think it was only Jared Branthwaite. But he's he's only effectively had one transfer window the summer to make his mark on the squad and bring in reinforcement. So I think this is a project that you'll need to see it bear bear fruit in three, four windows time when it is a Carlo Ancelotti side. But he's made progress. The atmosphere has changed. Everton are going in the right direction again. And that's all very, very positive stuff. Occasionally, I just look at things and I think maybe a little bit too slow in certain game scenarios to cotton on to things. That might be because the options aren't great. Or it might be because they're missing players. But I think back to the... Experiment once when Richarlison was out, or the experimentation, I should say, when Richarlison was out earlier in the season, and it was three at the back, and three at the back didn't work, and he persevered with it for maybe a little bit longer than he should have done. The occasional tactical blueprint, where I think the opposition got the 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 better of Everton there. When he's got better players, I think that will change slightly. So it's, it's almost nitpicking from yeah. me um, and being slightly right. pedantic here. On the whole. The macro, the big picture, I think, is, is is really quite positive, and Everton are lucky to have. People at the club know this, but Everton are lucky to have Carlo Ancelotti as manager.
1: Absolutely, no, they are. And I completely agree with you. That there's still the overwhelming feeling that um, that we're quite fortunate to to be in a position to to have him at Goodison Park. Still, you know, against the odds, when you think back to to attract them into the club and progress for me as well with with the relative. Short opportunities to, if, you know, to, to really stamp his mark on the squad. That's why, in, in many ways, I think this uh, this window will be important, uh, mm. even though it's a January one. We'll come back to that in a minute. Let's we, we've referred to. It, let's touch back on Christmas and uh, the of games of Christmas. You and I looked at it, and not just you and I. Every Evertonian looked at it and, and sort, of, sort of thought of games against Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal. United, Sheffield United. It felt like there were some banana skins, just some downright really difficult games. And you wonder whether or not they'd come through it with any sort of momentum in the league intact. To say they have, especially to to get the wins against Chelsea... Leicester and Arsenal at the start was was huge, I think. They needed to get back on track and they sort of emphatically did in that way. Let's start sort of going back to Chelsea and it was a special night, that one. I think to have the fans back for the first time and to produce such a flawless defensive performance and to then to pick off Chelsea the way they did, you know, Ben Godfrey, sensational. He showed for me why we were so excited and fortunate to have him because he showed all of the document to put out a winning team. That was then replicated at the King Power and then slightly less convincing, but did the business against Arsenal. Okay, the League Cup, to my eternal frustration, we were terrible. A couple of days before Christmas against United, just just terrible. And then probably not amazing against Sheffield United, but another important result. When you reflect on that run of games, what's your feeling now that dust has settled a bit on West Ham as well?
2: I think it feels a little bit flat at the moment because of that result against West Ham, which was obviously a a big, big disappointment. The opportunity missed to temporarily at least go second in the table. But when you you start, I mean, you've started there, the the analysis of the festive period with Chelsea, and you think about wins against Chelsea and Arsenal at home and Leicester and Sheffield United away, given the resources at Everton's disposal over that period, where they've not had James, Seamus Coleman for most of the games. Luca Dean, who's massively influential on this side, Alan has been out as well. Various others carrying ve- kind of knocks. Richarlison concussion against Manchester United went on to miss the game on um, against Sheffield United. So I was really impressed with the way that Ancelotti and the players adapted to the challenge they challenges they faced, adapted to the loss of key players, and did so much better than they did after the. Merseyside derby where they went on that run of defeats it was pragmatic it played to the strengths of the players available in the main and yeah it was it was a little bit more cautious you've got centre-halves effectively in the fullback positions you're you're looking to nick something off a set piece a little bit Moisian, dare I say it in in the, in the in the style but that was kind That's of thrust nice. upon <laughs> thrust upon Everton by the injuries uh and to to come out of it like Like I say, with four victories, two at home and two away in that period, I think says an awful lot about the character in the team and Ancelotti's ability to get a tune out of whoever is available. Like I say, West Ham was disappointing, but I I mean, I wrote a piece on the Athletic website earlier this week prior to recording where I basically, my theory, and I did express this before the game, it's not just hindsight, but my theory was that West Ham was always going to be harder as a game than Leicester, because let's say Leicester or or Chelsea, where you don't have to do much of the running and you can keep your shape. There's not much emphasis on your fullbacks to bomb on, and you can keep your shape. Look to nick something off a set piece or from a counter attack. When the onus was on Everton, that was when you really felt the absence of Hammers and Dean, the two the team's two main creators. Alan setting the tempo in front of the back four. And then some of the other guys that yeah. weren't available too. Yeah, he's been um, yeah. Alex Awobi. Dare I say? It, I think he was a. I think he was a big miss against no, West Ham. Not. Yeah, um, he's made that right side berth his own and add something different in attack. He can dribble, he can pass, um, gets Everton up the pitch with his energy, p- wins the ball back well. All of those things I think they were slightly lacking against against West Ham. It was a flat performance, a performance, a tired performance at the end of a run where. The same group of kind of 13 or 14. It had to go again and again and again. Um, and maybe it was to be expected um, to an extent. So, so yeah, I, I, I look back on it and I, I, it's a case of what if. And it's only a case of what if because of the platform given by the wins over Chelsea and Arsenal and Sheffield United. There's one there that I've missed. Leicester away. Four wins. I actually think if you'd offered that to any Evertonian, that, that sets a results that points total given what we knew about the fixture list and the players that were going to be absent, I think they would have bitten your hands off. So I think that's what we need to do. I think we almost need to just say well, West Ham wasn't good. Didn't enjoy hmm. it um, particularly yeah. because it came against David Moyes, but overall this is a good points total and that keeps Everton banging the mix for yeah. the hump for Europe.
1: It does. It does keep us banging the mix and West Ham was just frustrating because in isolation, it, it, represented a winnable game but perhaps when as you say you factor in those heavy legs and Dominic Cavalier in particular just looking like he's running on empty it just shows the lack of depth I think in the squad to a degree which brings us neatly onto the transfer window said earlier I feel that as much as it's understandable for people like Marcel Brands to be dismissive of January as a window that they don't like to do business in you know Ancelotti's not here to sit around he's here to start you know, progress in a hurry he showed that now, as usual, the onus is on Everton and brands in particular to get players off the books and the sort of mm. the spotlights falling on people like Bernard currently, um, Cheng Tosun, yeah. Balassi, Mo Besic, Balassi, usual suspect. But let's start with Bernard. Um, done a piece today that you'll be able to read on the Athletic on Friday. I Don't know you listen to this, but it'll be on there Friday morning. It feels inevitable about Bernard now. There's a feeling that it's 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 a shame because he's. I don't think anyone would doubt that he's a technically a gifted player who at his, at his best can pass through the lines and, cre- and can create a little bit of magic. But it, for me, it's too infrequent. It's too when it suits him in terms of the opposition um, mm. or the venue, and just with his the wages he's on. I just think that we can we can um, we can be better placed freeing up that cash. And one potential avenue to do it is to get into Roma and get Robin Olson on a permanent and then and then sort of reinvest the wages that we'd save.
2: Yeah, you you're spot on and certainly people close to Bernard, his agent, has been quite outspoken in the Italian press saying that the the swap is um, a possibility. We've heard pretty much the same, um, even though it's far from a given at this stage. But Everton, we reported over the summer that Everton were looking at the possibility of cashing in on Bernard and that, I think the the reasons for that are quite obvious. First of all, he arrives at Goodison after being a free agent, so he could effectively dictate the terms that he wanted and Everton gave him a big contract. But he's, you give big contracts, I think, to Luca Dean, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, you really important players, maybe even a Michael Keane or an Alain. But Bernard's not a regular and he's never been a regular really, apart from a little spell under Marco Silva, where he where he stood out with with Dean on the left. And I've always had the sense that f- from the point at which an- Ancelotti came in, I don't think he's ever really been trusted, Bernard, for a run no. of games. The best way I could summarise it, I think Bernard in a nutshell for me, very talented player. You saw it over the festive period with the ball into Ducore. For Everton's goal against Sheffield United, kind of takes it out of the sky first time and just guides it with this lovely touch into Corey with his back to goal, and then obviously Ducourre yeah. slips in Sigurdsson to score. And I remember looking at that and thinking Hammers would do it, but very few other players in this Everton squad would have even thought about it. Never mind attempted it and then executed it as as Bernard did. <sighs> off the strength of that performance off the bench, and he was good. It must be said. He then gets his chance against West Ham on New Year's Day in the absence of some key players and you think to yourself go on then grasp your opportunity go and yeah. take the take the bull by the horns yeah. and win the game for Everton show what you're about i, I don't think he stuck stumped the gaff out by the way but he just didn't really do much he didn't dictate play he didn't really find that many good opp- opportunities to create he didn't create All those kinds of things. Uh, Everton didn't carve out one big chance (laughs) um, in that game against West Ham, Mm. despite trying to make the running. And I think that's a bit of an indictment on the team, but also Bernard, almost by, by proxy, because he was in there as a creator. So it feels like others have gone past him. Let's say, for example, an Alex Iwobi has gone past him in the manager's thoughts. And I think he's getting pushed from underneath by, let's say, an Anthony Gordon or even a Niels and Kunku, who could play slightly further forward if necessary on that left-hand side. They've got guys in field. You could, you could move Hamez into a position centrally as a number 10 if you wanted. Uh, Richarlison obviously plays from the left at times. Guilfi Sigurdsson, whatever you think of him, he's being used in that number 10 position. Andre Gomez is a third central midfielder. So Everton do have options, and it almost feels like you can't afford an Everton situation given the money they've spent repeatedly now since Farhad Mashiri came in and the losses they continue to make year on year when they, when the accounts are released. It almost feels like you can't afford a guy, one of your top earners in Bernard, to be a fringe player, a peripheral player. So an opportunity there, potentially an opportunity there to do something with Roma. Roma's manager, of course, head coach is Paolo Fonseca, once linked with the with vacant Everton job, yeah. um, but-
1: Once important. interviewed for the job.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 at one point, looked on course to be, maybe not the one that got it, but one of the two, three that were being headhunted. So those two worked together at Shakhtar, of course, and Fonseca kind of made Bernard the player he was, hmm. and got him that move to the Premier League in the end. So given that Everton want, Robin Olsen, I've I've openly kind of said that now. Angelotti has said that you wonder if something can be done there. So, certainly, the agent looks like he's trying to do that, yeah. um, and it'll, it'll be a shame for Bernard. But you're not losing much, are you, in him going? You're not losing a guy that's going to get yeah. you ten, fifteen goals and assists to see six
1: you. goals in two and a half seasons, mean five that's assists. It. Sorry, Sorry five five goals, six assists. Sorry,
2: that's it. Everton need more, and if you're going to pay a, a player in excess of a hundred grand a week then my suggestion is that they've got to contribute much more than that. This episode is supported by Season 3 of
0: FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' Small Town Welsh Football Club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: The piece I wrote after the West Ham game that was a bit of a talking point with people uh, underneath the piece with subscribers and on Twitter, wrote a piece about Tom Davies. Um, I actually intended to write a piece before the game it always did the, the way the way isn't it? you know you'd you start out thinking one piece and then it changes slightly. But I wanted to write a piece about how he was reinventing himself quite savvily into a really competent defensive central midfielder. And on the back of Sheffield United really, I thought it was one of his better games in a while. And then West Ham happened, everyone was crap, not just Davis, but because I've been looking at him specifically, I assessed his game overall, both defensively and offensively. And defensively, it was all right. Kind of got through more tackles than anybody else. But in other defensive metrics, he was much of a muchness. But all of a sudden, I began to think that, you know, against West Ham at home, despite how defensively was, you know organized they are and you know well drilled, obviously by Moyes. In a sense, it's not not just Davis, but it was more that position. I felt from him and Decore, but Davis was my focus. You needed something penetrative. You needed the ability to go forward more often. You needed to be able to get through the lines. And it was something Ancelotti said afterwards as well, that he thought they were desperately poor. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't just Davis. However... Davis was disappointing for me, and it just led me to the conclusion that it feels like he's always going to be a squad player. Again, when we talk about players grasping opportunities or failing to grasp opportunities, I felt after Sheffield United it was a chance to really stamp his mark on another game. And I just didn't didn't feel he did. What, where are you at with Tom Davies? It seems like a debate that never goes away, but what what's your feeling about it?
2: It gets a little bit, I don't want to be flippant here, but it gets a little bit tiring, doesn't it? No, it the, the does. Debate, it, it the debate does. continues. <laughs> um, and it, it's the same with a number of other players. The same with, it feels like we go around in cycles and circles with Gilfie Sigurdsson. It seems like it's the same with Andre Gomez. Jordan Pickford gets into a, a period where he's the, the focus for discussion, then quietens down a bit, has some good performances, and then it comes back again. And. I thought Tom Davis was excellent against Sheffield United. I thought he was Everton's best player. What I saw from him at Bramall Lane was a real positional discipline and an ability to play through the lines. I don't think he was as effective at doing so against West Ham. And I don't think collectively the team was good enough against West Ham. So like you say, it was was not only Tom Davis. He was. He started the game pretty bright, and unlike you, I, I was. I wasn't covering the game, but I was. I, I was focused on Tom, because of what he'd done against Sheffield United. I was intrigued by the prospect of him. Yeah. Almost turning in kind of a mini Alan, performance um, at Bramwell Lane, and wanted to see if he could do it again. And I think he, I think he, he he did some good things. He was at least trying to take the ball off the defence. He was making tackles, like you say, winning the ball back occasionally. The issue he's got is that it's about consistency and it's also about having in Alan, arguably one of Everton's main performers now, one of key players in front of him, and Ducore as well. He's not he's not going to be first choice over those two. And the only way he's probably going to get into the side is if he if if one of them is injured, as is the case now with Alan, or he forces his way in maybe on the left of the midfield three in a 4-3-3. There are, there are very few positions open to him and you think Everton have already got Gabamin out, they've already got Delph out and we need to wait and see how those two come back and whether they are long-term options for Everton. But it's saturated in there because you've got Gomez, you've got Sigurdsson, lots of players, you've got youngsters coming through like Tyler and Yango, who I've written about over the last couple of weeks who's very highly rated, albeit not quite ready for first-team football just yet at Everton. Good player though, yeah. Yeah, yeah really, really good player. I like, I like him a lot, but... That goes to show that the numbers, maybe not the strength in depth, because at times it's not massively strong beyond two or three players. But it does go to show that Everton do have options to an extent. And I think they are still looking at what they can do in midfield anyway. There's, there's a slight theory that um, they're still a little bit short with some of those guys injured, particularly yeah. in front in front of the defence and in the creative stakes. So he's, he's he's got work to do. I mean, he's only 22. And I think we did see good signs, particularly against Sheffield United. But I think he was part of a really disappointing overall performance. And a performance where a lot of the guys that wouldn't be automatic first choice, and we've already spoken about Bernard, by the way, but yeah. other guys that wouldn't be an automatic first choice didn't really put the hands up, did they, for selection and say, pick me over Alan or pick me over Richarlison, James Rodriguez when those guys are fit. Um, And Everton need those players back because when everyone's fit, they look like a top six side or a a side that could challenge the top six. But when they're away, they're susceptible to games like the ones against West Ham and Manchester United. I think the jury's still out and that's a shame, but that's just where he... Where he is at the moment. Everton have got mm-hmm. some very good midfielders that he'll have to compete with in the in the coming months and years, dare I say?
1: No, I think that's 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 fair enough. Um which which kind of makes me feel perhaps given his age prematurely, but you know I've watched a lot of him over the over the last sort of few seasons and i uh, I just not sure that he's he's able of getting to get into the level that, that we need to progress. Not to say he's not a Premier League standard player or he's not a player with a future ahead of him sort of um, Championship Premier League but not sure it's with us we'll mm-hmm. see I'd love him to prove me wrong um, so thanks so much Pad thanks very much for listening again really is good to be back um, in these uncertain times and, and again don't forget during this month You can subscribe to Athletic for £4 a month, special discounted price. Get uh, all the best football writing, not just on Everton, the rest of the Premier League, Europe and World Football, Boxing, MMA, you name it, and ad-free versions of the podcast for less than four quid. Uh, That's The Athletic. Sign up and enjoy it throughout 2021. And all you need to do is go to theathletic.com forward slash Pod. Right, get through the third round of the FA Cup, and we'll be back to discuss that game and everything else that's going on in the transfer window and beyond on Glad Tidings next week. Thank you very much for joining us again. The Athletic.